Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, it's May 7th, and I apologize for the delay in episodes. We've come to the last of the seven messages to the seven churches, this one in Laodicea. Those at Gateway Downtown may have a little familiarity with Laodicea, as it's come up in passing in our study of the book of Colossians, and it will certainly come up this Sunday. It was a Roman city in Phrygia, very near to Colossae. Laodicea was an incredibly wealthy city and quite known for two important products, a particularly desirable black wool for making unique clothing and a powder revered for its ability to treat eye inflammation. Jesus addresses the city as the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Here he is referencing back to chapter 1, verse 5, where Jesus is described as the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. Again, we see that witness is an important theme of Revelation, and Jesus, who always bore faithful witness, even to the point of death, is the witness par excellence, the one whom Christians should look to for courage and confidence in the face of temptation to deny him. He is the beginning of God's creation, not the creation of the universe in Genesis 1, but the beginning of the new creation. Those who follow him in this life will also follow him into the resurrection, to new life. He is the Amen, which is a Hebrew loanword for truth or truly. It's as if Jesus himself bears perfect testimony to all he will do. The mind is drawn to the famous words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 1.20, For all the promises of God find their yes in him, that is, Jesus. Then Jesus begins his message to the Laodiceans, and it is ruinous. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. This is one of those verses, and there's two of them in this passage, that is perhaps more often misunderstood than understood. In English, we think of being hot or on fire as something good, and we think of being cold as bad. So we think the Laodiceans were just so-so. They were lukewarm. 
And sometimes it gets taught in such a way that we say that it's better to be completely off of God than to be lukewarm for God. But that's not the meaning here. Their status is much worse than lukewarm in that sense. Nearby Colossae was known for its cool, refreshing springs. And nearby Hierapolis was known for its hot springs, revered for their healing properties. Hot water was desirable in the ancient world. Cold water was desirable in the ancient world. But the best waters that could be brought into Laodicea mingled these sources, producing a tepid, lukewarm water that was sometimes nauseating and generally unuseful on its own. The state of water in Laodicea was a symbol of the spiritual state of that city. Good for nothing. Their works, their witness to Jesus, was useless. What a ringing indictment. To drive it home, Jesus says, For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Known for their riches, Jesus says they were in need of spiritual riches from him. Known for their medicinal compounds for eyes, they were spiritually blind and needed a remedy only Jesus could provide. Known for their gorgeous black clothing, they were spiritually naked and needed to be dressed in the glistening white linens of Jesus' heavenly kingdom. We might be forgiven for thinking that the Laodicean church has not a single true follower of Jesus. It's a sobering reminder, too, that riches are very often a curse in the scriptures. They lead us to believe we are doing well and going right, when all the while we are actually dying. But Jesus holds out his hand. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. This rebuke from Jesus then was an act of love. How often did we feel like the punishments we received as children seemed unfair and wrong, only to realize much later how right our parents were? As the author of Hebrews puts it, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Without a doubt, Jesus will jealously guard his relationship with those he loves. If we turn away from him, he will bring us back, but there might be painful lessons until we turn around. So Jesus is ready to welcome the Laodiceans. There is hope that they are truly his own and will repent. So we come to the second misinterpreted verse of this short passage. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. We have likely all seen the famous painting of Jesus knocking at the door of the heart. And many of us have heard a preacher plead with us that Jesus was knocking and only wanted us to open the door to him. But that's not quite the meaning here. Salvation isn't in question, at least not primarily. These are wayward Christians, Christians who have forgotten what this life was supposed to be about, forgotten Christ, forgotten that this world and everything in it is fleeting and not our home. And still Christ says, return to me. He wants to dine with the Christians there. 
He wants to dine with you and me. In the ancient world, to eat with another was a sign of intimacy and hospitality. Jesus wants intimacy and hospitality with you. He wants to be your greatest treasure and joy. And he's saying that if you've forgotten that, you can regain that. Perhaps as a fitting conclusion, not just for the Laodiceans, but for all seven churches, Jesus says, The one who conquers, I will give him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my Father on his throne. The description of Jesus in chapter 1, verse 5 As faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, included also that line that he was the ruler of kings on earth. Jesus is ruler. He is king. He is Lord. He is on his throne. And those who conquer with him, that is, those who overcome the temptation to deny him and live for this world, especially in the face of persecution, will reign with him. Perhaps this season, when many of us have lost jobs, lost income, lost savings in the stock market, lost loved ones, lost our own health, perhaps this season for us is a discipline of the Lord to correct us, to remind us of where our true joy and intimacy lie, around the dinner table with the King of Kings, And Lord of Lords, the Lamb who was slain for us. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Until next time.